You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Good morning, church. Once a year, the Lord blesses me with a croaky voice. This is true. I feel great. I feel wonderful. I just get a croaky voice and I lose my voice. And every time I'm rostered to preach. God's got a sense of humor, so uh, I don't put on this nice, sexy voice for you. <clears throat> so Monica uh, is going to do the reading for me this morning. And Josiah is on standby, on the joking, Joey, uh, to, to preach. Although, 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 Josiah did preach on a similar topic recently. And uh, he probably preached a lot better than I did. So would you open your Bibles this morning to Hebrews 11? And Monica is going to read some portions from there. Thank you. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then on to verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Then on to verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Then on to verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. And lastly, verse 32 to 39, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Barak, Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, 
worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Thank you, Monica. I want to ask us a rhetorical question this morning. Is it okay to question God? Is it okay to ask questions of God? God, where are you in my pain? Maybe you're single amongst us and you're saying, God, where's my husband? Where's my wife? Maybe you've been struggling with a health issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. And so, uh, for lack of a better working title, I've entitled today's sermon, I Doubted My Way to Faith. I doubted my way to faith. We've just read in the scripture right now that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That faith is a substance about putting our trust in God. I like what Tozer puts. Faith is the gaze of the soul on a loving Saviour. It's about trusting God. But I want to say something to you this morning that I'm in a very good place, so this is not in a place of, uh, I'm not having a faith crisis. In fact, I've just come back from one of the best holidays ever. But in that holiday, I went to some of the most amazing uh, church buildings because church is not a building, amen? Church is you and I. They were massive. Uh, some of them were 20, 30 times this auditorium. And they, except for uh, visitors like me taking photos, they were empty. And I asked a lot of my friends, why don't you go to church anymore? It's because they were never allowed to question the rules of religion. I had the privilege of leading one of my best friends to Christ. And he had a lot of questions and I said, it's okay to question God. And he looked at me as if I was from another planet. He said, sorry, are you saying it's okay to have a dialogue with God. And I said, yes, it is, because it's about relationship. And it saddened me to see so many buildings in Rome, these incredible church buildings, empty, because one day they were filled with saints, but along the journey, they lost their faith. I want to say to you, it's okay to ask questions of God. As long as it is from a posture of humility. Some people ask questions of God because they're arrogant. God, where are you? And it's just arrogant. But God has no problem with a humble son or a daughter saying, God, I'm struggling. 
Where are you? Help me understand. See, faith is central to all that we do. I want to say to you that before we look at Hebrews 11, in my journey, and I've just turned 60, I've learned more in those times where I said to God, God, where are you? And it wasn't from a posture of saying, you're not there, because I've always known that he's faithful and good. But in the words of Mark 9, I believe, help my unbelief. See, God wants us to grow up. God wants us to grow in our faith. And faith is wrought in fire. In the journeys where you struggle and you, and you, and you have this dialogue with God. That's why I love that we have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. It's not going to say, Mark Shepston, go away. Don't ask me questions. None of Mark Shepston's four children would ever say that of Mark. They would say, no, Dad has always welcomed us to ask questions to come. Dad, can I come for another meal? He might say, well, not today. Go and cook your own. But God is a loving God. And He can handle our doubts. He can handle that in we are broken that we go through struggles and say, God, I still have many questions of God right now. Do you? Yes, am I preaching to anybody? Otherwise, I'll talk to you later in private. But we do ask God in this journey of faith, help me understand. And so we look at Hebrews 11. Are you, are you coping with my voice? Is that okay? Is it sexy and it's quite nice, Amen. And so we look at Hebrews 11, and it's the manifesto of men and women and children who've all gone and all been tested by faith. It's one of my favorite chapters. In Genesis, God calls Abraham and Sarai, Sarai, and he says, I want you to go to a different place. And they said, where God? He said, you go and I'll show you. He said, well, could you give us an address? Can we put it in Google Maps? And he said, I want you to trust me. I want you to leave all of your family, all of your comfort zone, and I want you to go to the place that I will show you. Again, in Genesis, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his beloved Isaac. Remember that Abraham could not have children. And it was like in his 90s when him and Sarah finally conceived. And now God is asking him to sacrifice the thing that he's prayed for all his life. And Abraham puts his son on the altar. And God has a ram in the thicket. Because Abraham trusted God in the trial. In Exodus, Moses, the murderer, I love this was asked from God to take the whole people of Israel into the promised land across the Red Sea. And he gets to the Red Sea and, and the skeptics say, well, it was only like a metre high. No, the Red Sea was like 90 metres deep at its highest. They get there and there was no weir, no, no, no magic wand. God opened the Red Sea. But Moses did not know that. He went there and trusted God in the trial. He's got a whole people of Israel behind him. How would you like to be Moses? In, in Joshua, we find a similar story. 
God says, take my people across the Jordan. Now, I like fishing in the river and I go up to waist high, but the Jordan was like 10 metres high. How would you like to get there and be Joshua? And God says, take my people across the Jordan in a flowing river to the other side. It's a test of faith to say, God, I can't see it. God, I don't understand. God, in this season, I don't see what's happening, but I choose to humble myself and trust you. See, faith is about saying, no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. In Rome, one of my highlights was going to the house of Aquila and Priscilla. And it's about a kilometre walk from the Colosseum. And before they built all around it, from the house of Aquila and Priscilla, you could see and hear what was happening in the Colosseum. Aquila and Priscilla would have heard the martyrs dying, crying out, that would not give up their faith and would die because of Jesus Christ. Aquila and Priscilla are kind of the forefathers of church planting movement. And to stand there and to weep into that place because people have gone before us and have not given up the faith in Jesus. I want to encourage us this morning, no matter your journey of doubt and questioning, there is a God who is faithful and He's good and He will never let you go. And just to be in that, they, they, you can see the Colosseum from there. Hundreds of men and women tortured and murdered because they said, I will not give up on Jesus. I don't know where you are this morning, but I want to encourage you with my croaky voice. Maybe this is the most significant sermon you might hear right now. Not because I'm preaching it, but because you need to hear this. That in your doubt, God is faithful. Mark mentioned last week from Deuteronomy, he is faithful And he is loving. His character is immutable, unchanging. Everything else changes, but God's nature from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 never changes. Never. Ruth accepts Naomi and her people without knowing the future. Nehemiah rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem because God said so, and he decided to trust God. The best story of questioning God, it's either David, not David Conlon, but David in the Bible. You spend enough time reading Psalms. Oh God, where are you? Oh God, you've forsaken me. Oh God, I love you. Oh, I love you. I worship you. God, where are you? Everybody's left me. I'm by myself. Oh Jesus, you're worthy of all praise. And God's okay. God doesn't lose sleep. God says, now let me show you. But the best of all is in the book of Job. Job got tested like I pray you never get tested. Amen. He had everything go wrong. His wife, praise God, I've got a great godly wife who encourages me in my faith. She said, why don't you curse God? Can you see what's happening? Curse Him. And in Job 19, he utters some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. For I know my Redeemer lives. I will never turn my faith on God. He had boils. His mates turned on him. He lost property. He lost everything. And yet in that trial of faith, he said, God, right now, this sucks. 
Can we say that word in church? Well, I just did. Tough. You religious spirits. And he said, you know what? I don't like this situation. You don't like when you're going through the trials of faith. It's not nice. It's not pleasant. Oh, hallelujah. I'm having a real miserable time. Well, we don't say that, do we? We say, this is hard. I don't like it, God. Get me out of here. But in that, we press into the character of God. If you are 20 and under, would you stand up, please? If you're 20 years of age, roughly, 20, 25, thank you. Okay, 25. Just I need some more people. And under, would you please stand up? Most of you, some of you, will have grown up in a Christian family. And your mums and dads, or maybe you've got a single, a single parent, would have instructed you in the ways of faith. I want you to pay attention to this. But something happens when you start becoming an adult. Up to then, your faith was borrowed. You lent into the faith of your mum and dad or the significant person in your life. And so you grew up in a church environment and you grew up. But now your faith as an adult is getting tested. Now you're going to experience some difficult times. Now you're going to experience the, the, the ugly side of life. I want to encourage you that the rest of the congregation has gone through that like you. But what that journey of faith will do right now, it will move you from rented faith or borrowed faith to owned faith. Now, through your trials and your difficult time, you will question God. You will go through the fire. And in that, you will say, I now know my Redeemer lives. No matter what I go through, even though my prayers are not yet answered, I know my Redeemer lives. See, too often, we, the church, have not allowed you young people to ask questions. I want to say it's okay to ask questions of God. But never question his faithfulness and his goodness. But it's okay in the journey to say, God, I don't understand. And I'll give you some answers to that. You're in good company. You may sit down. It was already alluded to this. But there are four most menacing words in the New Testament. And our beautiful sister, gee, that communion was great. I enjoyed that. You brought us into the Holy of Holies. But she mentioned four of the most frightening, challenging words in the New Testament. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. If anybody should not doubt, would be Jesus. On the cross, naked, bleeding, his, hair, his side pierced. He uttered those four words in Aramaic. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was he denying the existence of God his Father? Surely not. He was God the Father, three in one. He was demonstrating to us that in his journey with the Father, he said, God, where are you in my pain? 
So then at the resurrection, we would see Jesus as the answer to our doubts. When he said, God, where are you? He died and rose on the third day. So for every doubt and every question you and I may have, Jesus is the answer. Jesus defeated death. Jesus is the healer today. Jesus is the deliverer today. Jesus is the answer. Because to Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, God the Father said, I am Emmanuel, God with us. I will never leave you or forsake you wherever you are this morning. I pray, I challenge you that let your faith be raw and real. We get judged as the church. Oh, you're so hypocritical. Have you ever heard that? Yes? Well, let's not be those people. Let people see your journey with Jesus, which is raw and real. Your journey with the Holy Spirit, which is real. Your journey in the Word of God, which is real. All these people had two things in common. They all put their trust in God. But secondly, they all had their faith tested. All of Hebrews 11. Now, I was listening carefully to Olive's preach last Sunday. An exceptional sermon. If you want good theology 101, have a listen to that great sermon. And so he alluded to the place that in Genesis 3, sin comes into the world. And it's a fascinating story because I believe that the first 11 chapters of the Genesis set up the whole gospel. The first 11 chapters of the Bible set the foundations for our faith. If anything is getting tested today, it's on the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Be it creation, be it the role of men and women, be it identity, everything is attacked on the first 11 chapters. In chapter 2, there's no sin. And Adam and Eve were naked. And Olive said, and they must have been really good looking. How he knows that? I don't know, Olive. But I like your imagination. What he meant by that, there was nothing to compare or compete against. They were just beautiful. And if God made them, they were beautiful. Then they sinned. See, nakedness is not the absence of clothing. Nakedness is the absence of shame. Nakedness is the absence of, 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 of sin and brokenness and questioning. Then sin comes in and God says, where are you? That question never existed before then. Why? Because they always had been together. Amen? All of a sudden, they responded to sin. They sinned and they clothed themselves. And God said to them, who told you you were naked? See, what happened when God said, where are you? Something happened after sin. For the first time, humanity asked God, where are you? Before then, there was no need to ask God, where are you? God was there. God was in the garden. God was present. God was healer. There was no need for that. But from Genesis 3, we question God, where are you? And at the cross, Jesus says, I'm here. And today, Jesus says, I'm here. Will you trust me again? 
Will you trust me with your finances? Will you trust me with your decisions? Will you put me first in your pain that I know best? That I know best. As I said, the posture is never one of arrogance. But it's one of God I don't understand. I love that. I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I want to believe more. Who wants to believe more? See, your faith will never get tested when everything's going well. Your faith gets tested when you're on your knees crying to God, God, I don't understand. God, why, why is my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife still sick? Why am I still single? Why is my business not flourishing? You fill in the dots. That's the test of faith. That's where you grow and grow and grow. And that's where you become more like Jesus. You start understanding that he's unchanging, immutable, faithful and just. Faithful and just. See, because a lot of things will compete for your faith. A lot of things. See, what we do is this. When God doesn't answer my questions of faith, then I look for other options. Well, God must have gone on holidays with Paul and Monica to Rome because he's not picking up the dial. And so we then substitute our trust in God to our trust in ourselves. And then we fall in a pit. Some of you in this room today are in the process of making some serious decisions. I felt it prophetically this morning. I want to say to you, stop. Now I've got your attention. I felt the Holy Spirit says, some of you, because God has made, hasn't given you what you wanted, is about to go ahead of God. I want to say that the result of that is always destruction. It's always pain. It's always pain. You go ahead of God, and I know it firsthand, baby. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I want to say to you today, it's okay to doubt. It's okay to question God. It's okay to join Jesus and say, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani, where are you? But in that, reach out your hand and say, God, would you pull me to where you are? Not you come to where I'm at. And then what happens? Your faith becomes stronger. I thank the Lord now for the test that I had 10 years ago. When you're in them, it sucks. It's horrible. I don't like the test of faith. Amen. I hate pain. And I hate the ones near me going through pain. I don't want that. I hate it. But I now see that God was forging his character upon my character. And my faith is growing little by little. Hopefully, at 60, my faith is stronger than when I was 20. But if you're in your 60s or 50s, your responsibility is to be there for those who question in their 20s. Take them by the hand and say, let's do this together. Really? You doubted that too? So did I. But Jesus, you doubted that too? Yeah. I'm sure the elders did too, but they're here today because they're bruised, they've cried, 
And if you see the knees of all the elders, they're all scarred from being on their knees praying. Each one of these elders have their knees scarred. You know why? Because they're interceding for you in your doubts and your questioning because they love you. And I'm one of them. <laughs> because we're in this together. In conclusion, my voice is held up. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so, is it okay to question God? What's the posture? Great, you were listening. So what do we do in our unbelief, in our questions? I want to give you a couple of pointers, and I hope they help you. Number one, we talk honestly with Jesus. We come to Him first. We come in a quiet place. We come straight away to Jesus as God, I'm suffering. God, I don't understand. God, my prayers are not answered yet. We talk to Jesus. He doesn't go on holidays with Paul and Monica. He's present. He's here today. He's Emmanuel, God with us. So we come to Him but we come with an attitude to listen. Any Kiwis in our midst? No Kiwis. One, two, wonderful. Our Kiwis may know this word, but it's a Maori word. And I love it. It's the word whakarongo. I'm not swearing. Clean up your heads, you naughty people. The word whakarongo means to listen, to learn. Not just listen information. Whakarongo means when you speak, I want to learn and grow. When we go to Jesus, we whakarongo. What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? Stop giggling, all of you. I'm not swearing. I love the Maori language because you can play on it a little bit. Sepo, behave. I can see you. I'm a prophet. Number two, would you have the posture in Mark 9, I believe, help my unbelief. And maybe some of you are there today. I believe, Jesus. I believe in your character. Help my unbelief. Number three, and I want to pick this, this up from Olive. Please listen to Olive's preach last week. Listen carefully to his voice. The Word of God. If you're having doubt, there's a lot of answers in this book. It's funny how everybody wants a prophetic word. You want a good prophetic word? Read the Bible. You want a really good prophetic word this morning? Here it is. Start reading the Bible. Everything else is a bonus. Number two, prayer. Prayer. Prayer is not meant to, oh God. Oh God, uh, oh God, this is my prayer. Do you want to, can I let you into my prayer sometimes? Oh, Jesus, why? What haven't I learned again? God, show me, show me your glory. Why is this happening? Why, God, why? And then I wait. And then I start listening to His voice. Praise, engaging with God. It's a two-way conversation. I don't just 
talk to my sons. I listen to the wisdom and the beauty that my sons have, both of them. And so when I pray, I'm talking to a living God. And I'm sharing my heart. It's raw. It's real. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit. And some of you are going to get touched in a minute again. Because in your doubting and your questioning, you've gone dry. and You become cranky and angry with God. And that is never good because God's a lot bigger than you are. And He's always right. Number four, and I want to add this to Olive, but I'm sure he'll agree. Go and talk to trusted, mature women and men of God who have walked through the fire and have come on the other side. Don't talk to a novice. Can I say that? Is that a bit naughty? But it's true. Don't talk to a novice. Don't go and talk to somebody and listen to somebody who's never been tested in the fire. Somebody whose faith has not been challenged. I want to grow. I'm going to go and talk to these guys and many of you. Where's Hans Helema? There he is. I haven't done it for a while, but every now and then Hans Helema and I have a cup of coffee and a cake. Maybe you shouldn't say that or two, or three. We chew the fat up at Belgrave Bakery. And what I'm doing is asking him questions and I'm learning and gleaning. Had the privilege of taking him for one of his appointments. It was a tough time in Hans Elem's life. And I'm gleaning from his faith. He's just, he's not cranky, he's not angry, he hasn't lost his faith. He's a mature man of God. Thank you for being a wonderful dad in the house, Hans Helema. I honour you today, my friend. Fourthly, we learn and trust consistently in the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy 7.9 Now therefore the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. He keeps His covenant of love to a thousand generations who loves and keep His commands. Numbers 23 God is not a man that he should lie. You love that? What a promise. He's not a God he should lie. Malachi 3.6 I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Lamentations 3.22 The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new. Every morning, great is His faithfulness. If there's a word that God's speaking to us right now that I can leave with you, is that God is faithful. Don't always see it. Don't always feel like it. But you know, faith is not whether I feel or non-feel. It's this unshakable substance that God is good all the time. Even when I don't get my answers, He's still good all the time we hope you've enjoyed this week's message if you have any questions or would like more information please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au